The Scouted podcast is brought to you with the support of our friends at Skill Corner, whose tracking data and performance analytics are used by many of the top clubs, leagues, and federations around the world. Covering a wide range of global competitions, Skill Corner's data helps customers to make faster, better informed decisions in recruitment, player development, and strategy. And we are now using it to support our own analysis of up and coming talent. For more information, visit skillcorner.com. Hello and welcome to the latest instalment from the Scouted podcast with myself, Joe Donahue, and Scouted's very own Lou Davies. Uh, this week, we'll be exploring some of the youngest regulars across European football this season, the likes of whom have already played in excess of 2,000 league minutes this season, in some cases, that is. Um, Lou's known for casting his BDI over the various leagues that perhaps don't get as much airtime as the Big Five, uh, and has kindly offered up a few additional names that we all need to be aware of in the second half of the 23-24 campaign. So, without further ado, welcome back to the Scouted Pod, my friends. Um, where should we begin? Thank you. Uh, good to be back. I think the one place we should begin is with the player that's probably played the most minutes on this list, which is Archie Gray. It's a name that's uh, familiar to you, obviously, with you covering Leeds United. He's a Leeds United uh stalwart already in, in some ways. He's played 2,200 minutes in the league, which is really good going for... Uh, a, a 17, 18 year old. Um, there isn't anyone that has played this sort of minutes anywhere else in Europe, I don't think, for his age. Um, he's obviously playing out of position as a right back, which is something that you can maybe dive in a bit deeper on when his future is definitely in centre mid, I think. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been pushing through now for the past couple of seasons. He was famously on the bench in the Premier League at 15. He's the great nephew of Eddie Gray, Leeds United legend. So he's got plenty of pedigree behind him. And uh, yeah, that's probably the best place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Archie Gray is, is a player that I'm, I'm very familiar with. Um, and yeah, it's 26 appearances in the league, 24 starts. Um, began the season in uh, central midfield, but has shuffled back to, to fill in at right back. And, and he's doing more than filling in, I think is, it's fair to say. Um as you mentioned, you know, he's played 2,200 minutes in the championship already. And yeah, he might have been on, you know, youth football aficionados radars for, for a few years, but his professional debut only came um, in the season opener back in August. Um, so he's pretty much just been on a, a consistent path of, of regular 90 minute displays, which, um, you know, for his age uh, is, is, is remarkable. You know, still 17, doesn't turn 18 until March. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's playing right back at the moment. That kind of seems to be his, his settled place in the team. He's, you know, Luke Ayling has gone out to, to Middlesbrough. Uh, Leeds also sent Jed Spence back to, to Spurs. Um, and pretty much that makes Archie Gray the, um, the, the first choice right back that Leeds have at the moment, which is, um, you know, considering how the, uh, you know, but in the preseason friendlies, that was that was unfathomable because he was predominantly a, a central midfielder. He'd only really played right back um, uh, once or twice for the under twenty ones and um, and and occasionally at, at England youth level. Um, but no, he's 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 doing extremely well. Um, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned those obvious links to to Leeds through his family. Um, you know, his dad Andy used to play for Leeds. Um, his 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 grandfather um, Frank was also a, a Scottish international as well, um, and recently uh, renewed his deal, uh, or rather agreed a new contract, which will take effect when he turns 18, which keeps him at Elland Road until 2028. So um, he's definitely one who is going to be increasingly on the radar of, of people uh, over the next six to 12 months, because he is just, he, he's, he's taking you know, leaps and bounds uh, in terms of his development. You know, Lou, you obviously watch a lot of, of, of football at this level or rather around um, Archie's age with those youth football tournaments. And you put in your notes, you know, it's good to get minutes wherever. You know, what What is the, I mean, what's the, the sort of informed decision from you on on that? Why Why do you think that even if he is playing out of position, it's, it's a positive? I think just getting any sort of minutes any sort of consistent minutes at this sort of level at his age is just going to benefit him. Um, I think playing out of position, 
he has played at right back before. I remember watching him in the under-17 Euros mm. back in the summer when he was playing right back for England. I didn't really like him in that role there. He, he seemed a bit constrained, but obviously within this lead setup under Daniel Farke, he's got like this sort of niche role that's a bit more build-up-y, which suits him a bit better, I think. But um, yeah, I think just minutes, just get minutes under in the bag, basically. He's physical enough to... to compete at championship level not just not just keep his head above water he's, he's swimming in the championship so um yeah minutes are be all and end all in in development i think and to really pile them up at this age obviously that has to be managed along the way in terms of burnout and and physical pressure but getting these sort of minutes is is a big thing and it can only it can only benefit him going forward especially when he starts to move back into midfield which mm. is probably what will happen in 2 3 years time if not next season. So, yeah, getting minutes at this level is is really important and this will only benefit him. Yeah, he did um, temporarily go back into midfield um, during the FA Cup third round game uh, recently uh, and, and you know, took to it like a duck to water. He'd, he'd pretty much been playing right back solidly for three months um, and then slotted straight back into into midfield yeah. um, without Ethan Ampadu beside him as Ampadu dropped back into centre-half. So, yeah, he's basically been posed with lots and lots of challenges uh, this season already, uh, and he's, he's as you say, he's swimming. Um, he's rather than just just keep, you know keeping his head above water. Um, really like how he escapes from from pressure, um, even at the byline. You know whether it's a pass around the corner or whether it's you know dribbling his way out. He's um, yeah, he's got the he's got he's got good size as well, which again for his age is is yeah, really important, yeah. um, especially to to be able to compete. At this level, um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's playing a, a really important and integral role for a team who, you know, come the end of the season might end up being promoted, might end up, or quite likely will will be in the in the playoff um, places. So, yeah, he's he's it, it's a really invaluable experience, definitely. And and as you said, Leeds tying him down now until twenty until 2028 is a uh, is a big deal for Leeds probably the best best deal they could do in this winter window so um yeah big things to come from gray um there is a little bit of bellingham about him i think i think his physicality and the power that he has within his body is is one of the things that ties him back to bellingham a bit um especially when he's like rampaging through midfield like he has them at under 21 level and uh junior level for england so um yeah definitely one to watch and this season playing out of position, I know, but it, it will be uh, very beneficial for him. Absolutely. Um, staying with the, the 2006s then, um, which again, just makes me feel so old. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll go to someone who's perhaps, well, certainly a lot more higher profile than Archie Gray currently. Um, they've faced each other, I do believe, um, at uh, youth international level. Um, but it's Warren Zaire Emery. I mean, I think it must have been two or three years ago when you first sort of brought um, Zaya Emery onto sort of our radar at Scouted Blue. Um, you know, he's been playing a, a, a central role, you know, figuratively and literally for, for Paris Saint-Germain this season. Um, and, you know, having watched him in the flesh uh, this year, he, he's, he, again, another player with good size for his age, someone who really, really looks as though he's been doing this for, for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. Um, on my notes, I've got, I hate to say we told you so, but we definitely did tell you so about Zaire Emery. Um, yeah, so since when he first broke into into what I was watching anyway in the, the UEFA Youth League, um, he just stood out from the off. Um, he's probably the best 15, 16-year-old that I've ever watched at any level of the sport. Um, he just jumps off the screen straight away, just how compact, how coordinated how composed he is in everything he does. Um, he's sort of the the gold standard now of emerging talent. Um, obviously, using him as a as a benchmark is extremely harsh on other players, but in terms of what he has done at such a young age, going playing multiple years up at UEFA Youth League level, he was playing it when he was 15 and dominating midfields in that. And now he's stepped up to, to PSG and now France. Um, it, it would be easy for me to say, yeah, I found him, uh, we found him, me and Stevie found him, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> he plays for PSG and this wasn't some sort of obscure talent-finding mission. 
he he's an absolute gem and you could see it from the off um I think me and Stevie both said that he'd reached the highest levels extremely quickly and that's sort of um that's played out this season uh my initial prediction was that you play for France at the under 21 euros last summer um that didn't quite work out but he's jumped straight up to the senior level anyway so um if anything he's he's got a bit quicker than I thought but um yeah already now he's he's central to what PSG are doing under Luis Enrique already it sounds like they're trying to make him Mr PSG especially with Mbappe probably leaving it looks like they'll try and realign him as as the main man as the star man as as, as the big man in Paris so um yeah exactly um that just shows how good he is already and at 17 years old he is obscenely talented and obscenely good for his age yeah and one of the things in your notes that you've got is is his unflappable quality to plug and play wherever and i think there's, yeah. there's a few things to unpack in that sentence alone unflappable you know 17 years old to to be you know to have the and especially in the position that he plays in central midfield the the amount of times where he's going to be you know incessantly pressed by opposition players and yet he keeps hold of possession really securely um and then he's also able to play in different roles within that area of the pitch you know there's again you know i, I don't have to i don't have to to echo what you've said there in terms of being one of the the best if not the best emerging talent you've ever seen it you know a few years ago um but he is someone who is absolutely going to play a really central role for one of Europe's biggest or at least richest clubs um, in, in the future. Definitely. Um, I think plug and play is is the perfect word to uh, term to, to uh, describe him. Uh, he is that sort of talent, that sort of player already that you, he could play for PSG in a, in a high possession uh, sort of style, or you could play for someone like Crystal Palace quite easily in Roy Hodgson. He's 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 so good. He can adapt to to different styles, different shapes, different roles, different levels. Um, so for someone his age to be able to do that right now is is unbelievable. And you could see it when he was coming through at in at, at UEFA Youth League level, uh, just the ability to do everything in the field. And um, yeah, I think we're starting to see different strings to his bow now in terms of some a bit of creative passing. He's starting to score a few goals as well, but he's always had that in him and he could literally do anything in that PSG midfield. Yeah, and, and we're talking about how much that Archie Gray has played uh, already this season. You know, Warren Zaya Emery has also played an ex extreme amount of football for, or at least at the level that he is for his age um, and obviously did pick up an injury earlier this season but I mean again still this year 15 league and games 26 last season um so again that speaks to that speaks to the the argument of um you know let's let's be careful of how much we use them but he's got already got 50 plus career apps um for for one of you know for well for PSG um and again doesn't turn 18 until March so um again one very much on the fast track uh, a player even younger and someone who you've compared, at least in terms of on the fast track, uh, to being the absolute elite of the game in the next decade or so, um, is Lamine Yamal, the 2007-born right winger at Barcelona. Um, he has been playing predominantly, you know, off the bench um, this season, but is increasingly becoming involved um, with Xavi Hernandez's team. Um, you know, he's someone who we've seen at, at youth international tournaments previously, but I'm not sure I would have predicted that you know he'd be playing such a central role for such a club like Barcelona uh, this quickly? No, probably not. But um, again, he's another that stood out at underage, uh, underage level for Spain, at least. He didn't really play that much for Barca in the UEFA Youth League and stuff. Um, but for Spain, he just jumped off the screen, similar to what Zaire Emery did. Um, I think I think Yamal is a great case of, if you're really good at one or two key aspects of the game, you can basically come in and play a key role pretty much straight away. I think his ball striking takes him to another level. Mm. We've seen it as as a creator, as a finisher at, at underage level. And now we've started to see it at senior level with Barca. So um, if you can be really good at one or two things, that is a massive help. Um, I think his athleticism already is, is of a high level within the senior game already. Um, he has that sort of elastic athleticism that he can bend and shape and 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 flex to whatever is ahead of him. Um, he has different traits to his attacking arsenal. Um, 
he can create, he can he can facilitate, he can attack the goal with dribbles, with with shots. So um, yeah, I think he is again similar to Zairemi, another goal standard sort of young emerging talent to play such a so many minutes at such a young age is is pretty impressive and i think the age is something to pick up on he's not a a 16 year old in in the last two or three months of being 16 he's literally doesn't turn 60 uh, doesn't turn 17 until the start of next season so i think that really drills down onto how how much he's doing already and obviously regularly with spain as well yeah, I mean, already producing for Spain as well. Like, it's not as though he's coming off the bench for, you know, one or two minutes and obviously getting those caps. You know, he's got, I think it's two goals in four four appearances for yeah, the Spanish yeah. national team already. Um, yeah, and, and you've got here 32 games for club and country already this season, which is, which is as you've said, ridiculous given he's still 16, um, not turning 17 until uh, July. So, you know, we'll have an entirely full season under his belt of, of playing as a regular for Barcelona. Um, and yeah, he's he's. It, it shows that, you know, it's it's the old adage. You know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, and he's 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 definitely someone who Xavi trusts. Um, he's someone who Xavi trusts as a potential game changer. You know, because he is coming off the bench more often than not and actually impacting games. You know, I think he's only got the one goal uh, this season, but he's he has a few a few assists as well. And you know, with players of this age, you'd like to imagine that we'll see that scale up to a, to a massive degree in the years to come. Like, can you imagine how good he's going to be when he's 19, for example, with potentially two and a half, three seasons of regular involvement under his belt? Definitely. I, th- I think, again, ball striking is, is a scale that will scale up pretty well. Mm. So if, if you can show that at youth level, you are more, more than likely to show it at senior level. So I think that's a key aspect of him. Um, He's missed a month already this month with uh, this season with injury, which is something to look out for. I think um, when he first initially got picked for the Spain squad, when he was just broken into senior football, I was pretty, I wasn't particularly happy about that. Um, like you didn't have to give it so much so soon. I, I don't think you could maybe manage him a bit better, but um, that's something to watch. But in terms of level and in terms of value for Barca, to have someone like him emerging at, at, at this moment of time with their financial restraints is uh, is pretty important. So they've got a, a really decent group, well, a really good group, not just decent, of, of La Masia graduates coming through now and Paul Cubarsi, another 2007-born talent uh, centre-back, started yesterday against Real Betis for the first time in La Liga. He's another one that will be a, 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 a sure thing, I think, for their future. So... To have such a, a prolific academy generating these sort of level of talents at this moment, given how uh, fucked they are financially, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> for want of a better phrase, is 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 pretty handy. Yeah, um, that's that's great. The explicit tickers going on this one, then, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, brilliant stuff. No, so just as a reminder, you know, these this is. Um, uh, an episode where we're discussing, just had to check the list there, uh, pretty much all of these players, or literally all of them, are either 2006 or 2007 born. Um, so they are literally the youngest of the young uh, playing in Europe's top leagues at the moment. Um, but that hasn't stopped um, the next player on this list already captaining um, quite an, uh, a, a prestigious team. Uh, Ajax's Joral Hato, uh, 2006 born, centre-back, left-footed centre-back, can also play on the left-hand side of defence. Um, made his Dutch debut um, back in November. Um, and, I mean, the first bullet point that you've got here, it'll probably come as no surprise to anyone, is that he's another one that stood out playing multiple years up in the UEFA Youth League, just like the players that we've discussed previous. Yeah, so Ajax tend to run a, a fairly young team in the youth, in the youth league anyway. They use the under-18s rather than the under-19s. So he wasn't playing that many years up, but still he was playing a couple of years two or three years up on his op- op- uh, opposition. So that's pretty important. He was captain of that team and he's since gone on to captain the senior side since breaking through. So that's pretty impressive. Obviously, this isn't the best Ajax team. So he's benefited a bit from that in terms of just how tumultuous the last six months, eight months, whatever it is, has been at Ajax. So you have to take that into account, but he does look of the level pretty much straight away. He's that 
modern defensive profile that the elite teams love. Um, I, it's not a surprise that Arsenal have been pretty seriously linked with him recently. He is that sort of Urian Timber style, uh, adaptable, mobile, compact sort of defender that can play on the outside of a back three, at left back in a in a back two. Um, he fits the bill for what the modern teams want, what the best modern teams want. So, yeah, I think he's another one that's just going to keep growing and growing. I think another couple of seasons, perhaps, at Ajax will benefit him. He doesn't need to move too soon, too too early. Um, so, yeah, just keep doing what he's doing, and he's on a really good path. Yeah, one of the bullet points you've got here is is something which, I mean, I, I, I can only say I've watched highlights of Ajax this season. I haven't watched any full games, but... Um, you know, Hato being involved is one where you do immediately look out for him because you think, okay, how is this 17-year-old getting on in, well, what was at the time, you know, one of the worst starts in, in the club's history to a, to a domestic league campaign. Um, and one of the bullets that sort of in my mind was mobility. You know, you're talking about the um, the Urian Timber type style of, you know, central defender or, or defender in, in the modern age, somebody who can get about the pitch like it's like they glide, you know, similar to, you know, how wingers do, you know, that's, that's how a lot of the time people describe wingers is they, they, they kind of just, just, I don't know, airsoft around the pitch. And I feel like Hato is exactly the same. It, it's, it's almost like he's, he's never out of puff. He's, he's someone who appears to have incredible natural fitness. Um, and that's going to really help him in terms of, you know, recovery runs and also just being sharp uh, and and getting to to potential danger before it, before it, you know manifests into something um, problematic. That's I mean, alongside compactness, which you've got here, composure, again things that you don't associate with players of this age. But I suppose the reason that they're in this list, the reason that we're discussing them, is because coaches have have noticed that too and have said, well, actually, you know what, you are capable of of playing at this level. Definitely. Um... I think being left-footed is a is another key aspect of of Hato. I think that gives you an edge straight away at, at well in, in in any coach's book, but definitely at a club like Ajax who want to play a certain style. Um, but yeah, I I just think he makes the game look easy, doesn't he? Um, mm. He makes things look simpler than they probably are. Obviously, he's not the finished product. Obviously, he has a lot of room to develop still. But to do what he's doing at seventeen year olds, uh, seventeen years old, like a lot of players on this list. Is, uh, is impressive and it, and it bodes well for the future. Certainly does. Um, staying with uh, being on the continent, we're going to go to to France now. Uh, and, you know, we love to describe attacking players on this on this podcast and um, certainly those that have got a bit of pedigree in the, in the family department. Uh, Eli Junior Krupi, um, I believe is, well, I hope is the pronunciation, um, but son of a former Liga striker um, and is currently playing for quite a weak Lorient side uh, in Liga. But as Lou has kindly noted down for the idiots among us, i.e. me, um, six goal contributions in 800 uh, league minutes so far. So, um, again, similar to Yamal, he's someone who is having an impact on games. He's not, you know, he's not just there getting, you know, five minutes here, six minutes there and, and just, you know, collecting his appearance fee. He's, he's actually contributing. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's not someone that I've watched meticulously, so I can't really speak too much about him. But um, six goal contributions, I think it's four goals and two assists in 800 minutes, as you say, is is pretty good going, especially for a Lorient side that is struggling this season. It's not the it's not the team that they had uh, last season or the, or the year before. So to come in and, and play quite a few minutes at his age, he still has quite a bit of physical development to do. But in terms of his skill set, it's pretty well-rounded for that sort of second striker role that he he has been playing. Um, he could probably develop a few different ways. They can maybe shift him out wide and, and make him sort of a a like more of an inside forward. They could keep him where he is now, which is playing off a striker. Or maybe if he does grow a bit more, if he fills out a bit more, he could be that number nine that a lot of teams are looking for. So definitely one. Another one out of Ligue 1. This list has quite a few in Ligue 1, so, um, which is no surprise. But yeah, Krupi is one to watch at Lorient. And if they do go down, which is looking like a, like a real possibility, then lots of clubs will be after him. 
Yeah, I think you could. It's fair to say that, regardless, isn't it? I mean, you look at the the interest that that was in yeah. uh, Muhammad Ali Cho um, a few years ago, uh, and obviously he's just got to move this this month as well, hasn't he? Um, but those types of players coming out of France um, who are you know playing regular minutes, who are, ac- are actively um, contributing in games, um, and especially as well, it helps that he's maybe got a bit bit of. Uh, pedigree behind him being the son of a former uh, Cote d'Ivoire international, uh, yeah. Eli Krupe. So very creative with the with the name there. By just naming <laughs> his son Eli Junior Krupe. Um, but yeah, he, he, again, he's someone who I haven't really watched much of, um, and simply was just popped up on the list of you know seventeen year olds playing regular football. Um, the FB ref similar players suggests that he's similar to Borja Iglesias or Roger Marti, uh, Real Betis and Cadiz, um, or to those who maybe aren't so familiar with those strikers, um, Willian Jose, Olivier Giroud and Johan Wisser. Um, so a bit of a mixed bag, but you can sort of see how he's how he's playing. You know, he's def- defensively, um, he's, 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 he's involved a bit. Um, and also in terms of his, his passing, he's, he's quite quite adept uh, at, at finding himself involved in, in games and, and ensuring that, you know, he's not just you know, passing to the opposition, basically, as, as you know, players of this age, you'd, you might imagine they would. Um, going to uh, another midfield player after Archie Gray uh, in, and also another English player um, is Lewis Miley of Newcastle. Um, has played a lot since coming into the team. Uh, the obvious caveat with this one is that um, he's he's benefited from injury suspensions um, and Newcastle not being able to um, spend an awful lot on on new midfielders after Sandro Tonali's ban because of FFP and um, because they they did spend around fifty five million on Tonali. Um, so Lewis Miley has come into the team. He is one who certainly was was billed to have a lot more involvement this season, but I don't think anyone could have foreseen just how involved he has been. Um, I think it's just over a thousand minutes across all competitions. Lots of those coming in starts um, purely because he's been needed. Uh, And while, I mean, while it's not ideal for a club like Newcastle to be fielding a 17-year-old during, you know, Champions League run-ins and, you know, FA Cup and League Cup games and all the while battling on multiple fronts, it shows that, again, Similar to Gray, he's been thrown in as Lewis Miley and he's he's swum for the most part. Um there's been a few games when maybe he's been swallowed up a bit and you know the the pace and the 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 game state has has passed him by. But for the most part, he's made quite intelligent decisions. Um and again is another one with really, really good size um to him at such an early age, which again is usually a good indicator that they're gonna be able to hold their own in the middle. Yeah, exactly. I think Miley is is a great example of what academies are there for. Uh, as you say, he was highly rated anyway. Uh, he was in and around the senior squad, but since they had have have had these injury suspensions, obviously Tenali's missing now for the whole season. So to trust in a player like Miley then to come in and and, and play a lot of minutes and start really big games as well. Yeah, I think he started against the likes of Chelsea, Man City. AC Milan, PSG, those sort of calibre calibre of teams to, to trust him in those environments, in those occasions is impressive. And I think Eddie Howe should probably deserve um a fair bit of accolade for doing so. But um again, that's what academies are there for. If 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 you don't trust these sort of players in these sort of moments in your season, then there's no point in, in having an academy, in my opinion. So um yeah, I think the thing with Miley is. I'm really interested to see how he develops physically. Uh, mm-hmm. He's quite lanky. He's quite rangy now, isn't he? So he, he mm-hmm. has a lot of room to fill out. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of midfielder he can develop into once he does that. But again, similar to Archie Gray, playing so many minutes at, at a relatively high level at such a young age is just going to benefit him massively. Yeah, absolutely. Going to going to benefit him uh, enormously, and you would imagine with injury to Joe Linton now as well that he will again continue in this team for the for the remainder of the season. And when you put together six eight months, or well four or six months of regular involvement at seventeen um, in one season, it's you'd say it's quite rare that they then 
I don't know, they'd bomb him out and play him on loan somewhere or, you know, he'd, he'd be a, a fully paid up member of the first team squad by next preseason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got to factor in that, you know, he's going to be, um, he's, he's still growing, as you mentioned, when he fills into his frame um, to, to be able to see what type of player he can become because he's still very much a blank canvas at the moment. He's come in to the to the Newcastle side, to a, to a three-man midfield, and he's had to adapt to the players around him, adapt to the um, to the opposition and the circumstances with which he's found himself in. Um, so we haven't really had the opportunity to see exactly what his game's all about, but there have been flashes. You know, there's been the occasional one-touch passes and, you know, just joining up with, with really senior pros. And it shows that, you know, his game intelligence, his game IQ is there. Um, you know, that's something which our, our friends at, at Skill Corner are very big on um, in terms of, you know, quantifying and being able to quantify through players' movements. And um, in, in sort of my, uh, my, my, my spare time, I've, I've had a look using the uh, Skill Corner data and, and Lewis Miley does come up quite, quite well, um, especially for a player of his age when it comes to those sort yeah. of game intelligence metrics. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's it, it, again looking at FB Ref and the similar players function. Um, the top player on there that he's similar to after a thousand minutes is uh, is Sean Longstaff, who's of course also at Newcastle, mm -hmm. um, another rangy local midfielder. Um, so uh, I mean, if if Newcastle could produce another midfielder like Sean Longstaff, that would um, that would be uh, an, an excellent thing for for that club because um, you know Longstaff. You do notice when he's when he's out with the team because he covers so much ground. Routinely, the player who is who's going 12, 13 kilometers every game, um, and in recent years has certainly added goals, has added um, a bit of pizzazz to his game rather than simply being just a you know someone who's just going to muck in and 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 be a body. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what what Lewis Miley turns into. But I mean, yeah, certainly. Um, deserves his flowers, as does Eddie Howe, as does the coaching staff at Newcastle um, for developing Lewis Miley over the past, you know, 18 months to, to two years um, to, and also the faith to, to integrate him. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think the point you make about Longstaff is interesting in terms of just how intensive Newcastle style is. So for him to be able to, to fit into that sort of style, that really high intensity, big running very physical, very aggressive style at 17. Not many midfielders could do that anyway, but mm. definitely not a 17-year-old. So that's that's another string to his bow, definitely. Moving on, uh, well, actually moving a little bit further afield, but technically staying within our um, our little European leagues remit um, because of an agreed transfer. Uh, Nestori Irankunda, uh, the 2006-born right-winger, um, currently with Adelaide United, but has obviously agreed a move to to join Bayern Munich for around three million euros or three million dollars. I can't remember which one it is, but it is single single figures in the millions. Um, he's he's someone who, uh, of course, Steve had scouted um, <laughs> is very fond of, considering where he's playing his football currently. Um, and yeah, he's someone who has. I mean, Lou, you were talking about ball striking before. Uh, yeah. How about Iran Kunda's ball striking? Uh, it's he's probably one of the best ball strikers I've ever watched anywhere at any age, ever. Like no word of a lie. I think he, he is really that good. Um, I think we've described him as a as a ball striking extraordinaire on on our Twitter. Yeah, um, and I think that really does cover it. Um, he scored some spectacular goals already: free kicks, long shots, uh, absolute snapshots from the, the from the tightest of angles into the roof of the net. He has such a a wide range of finishes already, but it's all rooted in that ball striking ability. And as I said, with uh, with Lamine Yamal, to have such a skill like that, to kick a ball really well is very important in football. And <laughs> basically, if, if you can do that really well, you'll be a good footballer. And Iran Kunda and Yamal are, are good examples of that already. Um, as you say, he's already been gobbled up by Bayern. Um, it's particularly interesting because Christoph Freund, the ex-Red Bull Salzburg uh, technical, technical director, is now in charge of, of Bayern's recruitment. So he's got his paws all over this one. Um, you, can see, you can see the way that this would be a very Red Bull move, but now it's a Bayern move instead of mm -hmm. a Red Bull move. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what sort of pathway they have planned for him. He can't move over until he's 18. So there's a bit of time yet. But um, 
Bayern are pretty big on on buying these young players anyway, and they have had quite a few step up to the senior side in recent uh, months. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly they have planned for him. But um, again, I think just his ball striking and his athleticism, that burst that he has, is a is a real boon for him, and it can really kick him on to higher levels pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, we're talking about you know experience over multiple seasons for these young players and what they'll be like after a, a number of years in these these perhaps shall we say lesser leagues before going on to you know moves like Bayern in the Bundesliga or whatever. Aaron Kunda has been playing. Um, for Adelaide United for for three seasons now. Yes, he's been an impact sub um, predominantly for the past two years, but this season he's kind of transitioned to become more of a regular starter. And yeah, you know some of the the goal contributions haven't followed, but at the same time, you know it's it's indicative of okay, well he's actually developing in a like at a at a positive trajectory. Rather than you know regressing at any point or oh well he or he's just a one trick pony or whatever he's he's someone who already has you know near enough fifty league appearances um, at the age of seventeen um, yeah again it's not at the level that Warren Zaire Emery's playing at but at the same time you know he's he's such a he's such a highlights football player you know the amount of times that people will have inadvertently seen. Uh, an Iran Kunda absolute yeah. thunder bastard on their timeline or whatever. <laughs> like it's, I mean, that's from a 17 year old kid as well. Yeah. It, it will be interesting to see what happens um, with him in Germany because, you know, you've got the recent example of um, Alu Kohl, um, who obviously went over to Stuttgart as a youngster, um, hasn't really, well, didn't really make it, make it there. Um, obviously difficult circumstances uh, as returned to Australia. But I think, yeah, I mean, you've got here probably the best young player domestic uh, that Australian football has ever seen. So hopefully, you know, there is a a plan in place for him when he does go over to to Sabana Strasse. Um and yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to 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 wait and see. Lou, you've kindly added quite a few uh, additional names. <laughs> yeah, I knew you wouldn't be able to help yourself. Um <laughs> Quite a few uh, additional names from, you know, Scandinavia, from a few from Turkey, from the, the Zweite Bundesliga, uh, Denmark, uh, even the National League in England. There is literally not a stone that you haven't uh, turned <laughs> over. Um, I, I mean, feel free, have at it, have at it. Okay, we'll start with Lukas Bergwal. I think um, he's in the news recently because he's been linked to the likes of Barcelona, Inter, um, Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, He's just come off a, a sort of bit part season at Diogaden in in the Alsvenskan, where he didn't really start too many games, but he did rack up just under a thousand minutes altogether. Um, he's a graduate of the of the Broma Poikarna Academy, which is one of the best in in Europe altogether, not just Sweden. They have a mass. They're a relatively small club in Stockholm, but they have a massive footprint within Swedish football. They've developed the likes of. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski, uh, Viktor Djokovic, um, uh, John Guidetti, and a load more of Swedish senior internationals in the men's and women's game. Um, so they're a big academy. He has plenty of pedigree behind him uh, in terms of that. He's been a standout for them, made the move across Stockholm to one of the biggest clubs. And now he, within a sea, well, within a year, it looks like he's going to go even higher again. So um, I recently wrote a profile, a fairly, ex- a fairly extensive profile on him on Scouting Notebook, which you should definitely go and read. Um, so you can most of my thoughts are on there. But I really hope that his next move is, is picked sensibly. I, I, I don't want to see him go to a Barcelona so soon because he's ready now. He's good enough right now to start at a top five league level for someone like Eintracht Frankfurt or the very specific move I want to see him make is go to Feyenoord in the Eredivisie and, and work under Arne Slot for a couple of years develop under him, play a lot of minutes at a good level, and then go again up to a up to a high level. But um yeah, he's he's a really good one for the future. Um who else should we talk about? I've got a couple more on the list. Uh well actually I'd, I'd quite like to discuss this one here. Yunus Emre Konak at Sivaspor uh, in Turkey obviously. Uh, you've described him as a handy little left footed defensive midfielder. And this again is a hallmark of scouted podcasts, but also of good youth recruitment, just signed for Brentford. So 
I, I completely missed that. That wasn't on my radar. What's um what's the story behind Yunus Emre Konak? Yeah, again, not someone that I've watched meticulously. Um I've watched a few clips of him and I like and I like I like the look of him to play again, similar to others on this list, to play so many minutes in a league like the Turkish Super League is is pretty notable by itself. Um there aren't many players that play as regularly at such a young age. So across the past decade, not just this season. So um that's notable in itself. Again, for Brentford to come in and pick him up is is a is a good hallmark. Um but yeah, he he looks pretty handy. Um, I think the fee is something like four to five million euro, which is which is fairly significant. Mm. Um, but I think he's already just he's just been injured in Brentford training already, so I think he's out for four months. So that's that's Great. not particularly good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> glad we discussed him then. Um, <laughs> to, I'm going to have to be careful here. Tobias Slotsager, uh, a regular at uh, Odense Bold Club, Obey for a while now, highly rated Danish centre back. Um, I can see he's just turned 18. Uh, again, another 2006 born. Um, already snapped up by one of the uh, the world's largest agencies. I, I also can see there, which um, is again is usually an indicator that this player has a bit of talent. Um, but yeah, he's he's one who you've you've noted down as well. Already playing for Denmark's under 19s. Yeah, again, not someone I've watched too much, so I can't really say too much. But um, yeah, I, I've just noticed as well that he's signed for. Stella agency so I wouldn't be surprised if they try and move him to England before long because that's what normally happens after you sign up for Stella so um yeah the other guys then I've got on the list is um Asan Wadrago at Schalke highly rated linked to some of the biggest clubs across Europe I think like AC Milan Bayern have been interested Eintracht again that sort of caliber of club the talent developers and the talent gobblers um he's a rangy midfield breaking he can carry the ball from box to box, he can. There's a little. He's been compared to Pogba, which is a a relatively lazy argument, but uh, a comparison. Sorry, but there are some similarities in that left-sided centre mid role. Um, I mean, he's very tall as well, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he does have some of the hallmarks of a Pogba. But um, yeah, I think he's he's injured as well. He got injured in the Under Seventeen World Cup, so I'm not sure when he's coming back. It looked like quite a nasty one. So he could miss much of the much of this season, but he's definitely one to watch in the summer for a move to a higher level. Um, who else on the list? I think, as you said, the National League one is interesting. George, I am really interested by this one, actually. Really interested because I've not come across him at all. Yeah, so he's, well, he's basically come out of nowhere, essentially. I think he, he played a couple of minutes at the end of last season, but since the start of this season, he's been starting regularly at National League level which is, um, again, notable because that doesn't really happen when you're 16, 17 years old. You don't really start games at a National League level, which is such a competitive, physical, demanding level in terms of just how frequent the games are coming, let alone how intense the games are. So to do it at at 16, 17 is impressive in itself. Um, I think he might have just turned 18, perhaps. I'm not sure. But he's a tall, lanky. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. He's a tall, lanky, left-footed centre-back. Uh, he's got a bit of quality as a passer from deep, a sort of stand-and-deliver passer, and then he's got those very decent defensive instincts which have made him be able to play at, at a National League level right now. Um, he's Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because he's a Welshman. Um, I, think he's, <laughs> I, think he's, I think he started at Wrexham before moving over, to the, over the border to Rochdale. Um, so, yeah. I think he'll be one that's already on Premier League agendas. I wouldn't be surprised if if a club such as a Brentford uh, pick him up now and, and park him at Rochdale for another six months to keep playing, keep playing at a decent level. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one for the future for Cymru. Um, really interested to see what they have planned for him. They tend to push players up pretty quickly through the age groups. I think Charlie Crew is a good example of that yeah. at Leeds. Uh, he's jumped from under 17s to under 21s, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Nevit does similar. Um, but yeah, definitely one for Premier League uh, clubs to have a look out for and for fans to to keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, George Nevit at Rochdale. Yeah, um, that's I mean that's one which I'm sure there, there might be there might be a scout listening to this, Lou, who's just not aware of George Nevit whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, and you I'd, brought him on. I'd be surprised him. if that was the case. But um, well, yeah, I was going to say, no. I, knowing how how they operate, um, yeah, I'd be very surprised. But I mean, 
yeah, just uh, when you were speaking there, I was thinking <laughs> what I would have been like as a centre half in the National League <laughs> in seventeen eighteen against you know I mean they might not all be John Parkins all the strikers may not be John Parkins of the world anymore but I mean this let's not forget this was a division last season which had you know the likes of Macaulay Langstaff and Paul Mullen in it um yeah. that's that's not an easy easy bunch to defend against so um yeah fair play to to Nevitt and to Rochdale I wonder who their manager is um because yeah I mean I, what in fact you know what I'll do I'll find who I'll find out who the Rochdale manager is given uh, given opportunities to the young lads while you uh, you tell us about these Esther Divisi uh, and the Challenger League youngsters that you've noted down yeah so the list that I've used is courtesy of Stathead which is like an offshoot of of FBRF and you can uh put in loads of different variables and find the results so these are leagues that are domestic leagues so um the second divisions of of Belgium and the Netherlands are included which include probably about 10 maybe a dozen uh B teams from some of the biggest clubs in in the Benelux region so there's quite a lot of players on this list who've played a, a load of minutes uh for the young teams so I think Tigo Land and, and Case Smith at AZ are good examples both of them will probably step up to senior football before the end of this season, I think. Um, Land already is training with the first team. I think Smith's been on the bench for AZ quite a bit. Mm. Uh, Smith is a, is a do-it-all sort of midfielder, a box-to-boxer, scored an absolutely unbelievable goal in the UEFA Youth League against Barca last season, which they won, which was very impressive in itself. Uh, from I think it was about 60 yards, just got his head up, pinged it straight into the net. Um, so he's he's one to watch out for. Uh, Tigo Land is similar, he's that sort of that six eight hybrid midfielder who's press resistant, who can progress play through midfield. And then over in Belgium, I think uh, Konstantinos Karetsas at uh, Young Genk, another club that have a big pedigree in terms of developing young players. Um, he's put together a an extraordinary highlight reel of, of goals and assists already. Um, and he's only 15. I think he's, is he a 2008? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think it rings a bell. I think he's a 2008, yeah. Yeah, um, so, no, he's 2007, sorry. He's just turned, yeah, I think he's turning 16 now. But um, but yeah, again, to play at a decent level at, at such a young age, obviously it's within a within a B team, which is different to, to doing it within amongst senior pros. But um, yeah, he's put a, he's put together a really a really good highlight reel and, I think he's already been linked with with big clubs already. So yeah, one to watch as well. Yeah, and you've mentioned here that these are the teams. You know, your RZs, your PSVs, your your Ginks, Um, As you mentioned, the clubs in the the Benelux region, where again, similar to the to the Welsh national team setup or youth international setup, they do get fast tracked pretty quickly um, because they do bridge the gap between junior and senior football pretty well. Um, I've I've just figured I've just googled who the Rochdale manager is. It's Jimmy <laughs> McNulty. Right, and now anyone listening to that and not and not realizing who that is, yes, he did play football in the EFL for quite a number of years. But anyone else who's watched The Wire will know that Jimmy <laughs> McNulty is one of the main characters. Um, yeah, that, that's a nice little brain worm for everyone. Um, but yeah, fair play to fair play to Jimmy McNulty and his assistant coach Bunk um, at, uh, at Scotland. <laughs> Um, right before we finish, you've got this one, uh, this last player here, uh, another 2006 born a striker playing in Belgium with Royal Antwerp, um, dual national French Nigerian, um, and signed for an initial six million euros after a league de breakthrough. Tell us more, George Ilenikena. That's the name to look out for in 2024. Um, he didn't quite make the criteria for this list because he hasn't played that many minutes. He's only played 350 in the Pro League, but he's uh, I think he's played 28 games in all comps. So he's been used as that sort of impact sub for the last 15, 10 minutes, but he has made an impact in those minutes. Um, he famously scored a, a winner in a famous win against Barca in the final group stage game of this season's Champions League. Um, but yeah, uh, he initially broke through at Amiens in, in, in Ligue 2, which is a league that has which has plenty of history for, for developing these sort of players. And to to invest six million in a then 16-year-old is 
for a club like Royal Antwerp as well. It's not one of the big uh, powerhouses of Europe traditionally. Um, for them to pay six million for him is, is is a pretty good indictment of his of his talent on of his potential. And we're starting to see it in flashes already in the Pro League. Um, I really hope we can see him step up into a into a more regular starting role in 2024, especially towards the end of the season. I think we will, um, because if they don't do that, I think bigger clubs will try and snap him away and and, and try and get him into that sort of role anyway. So um, for me, probably one of the best names to, to to keep an eye out on in 2024. And we'll, if we do a, a review pod possibly of this ne- this time next year, I think he'll be a much more of a household name. Yeah, uh, I mean, scoring against Barcelona in the Champions League at 17 is not bad going, is it? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Royal Antwerp spending six million euros. It's uh, definitely caught me by surprise. But um, hey, money is, uh, oh, sorry, the game is flush with cash at the moment, even where you least expect it. Um, Lou, thank you very much for, for your, your insights. Um, because that's, I mean, yeah, we've pretty much covered all bases there of pretty much every 17-year-old or younger who's playing regular minutes in uh, in Europe's major leagues you know if you want to count sort of like the top 10 um and then in addition you're george nevitz you're you're <laughs> emery connachs at rochdale siverspore asanua drago the uh the schalke uh midfielder uh very rangy um and then of course the the erste divisie the second tier in in holland and the challenger league youngsters um in in belgium as well uh yeah hope to see uh taigo land um if he's playing for psv's 21s, the young PSV side uh, in the Premier League International Cup later this week. Um, he might have already been uh, required to play with the seniors or train with the seniors um, based on what Lewis has been saying there. But um, yeah, hope hope to, to get to see him in the flesh this week. But um, yeah, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back maybe at the end of the season or, or in 12 months time with a, with a review um, and 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 some more names who as yet are, are unknown at least to us or to, to many people but we'll uh we'll as is always the case we'll we'll begin to emerge thanks for having me um just before i go i'd like to say um subscribe to the scouted notebook we're doing loads of good stuff on there um loads of stuff we're just dropping every single day so if if you love your youth if you love your youth football that's the place to be Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Lou. Uh, and I'd encourage everybody to sign up to the notebook um, because, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's some fantastic content there and um, pretty much the, the only place that's doing regular uh, youth football updates in such detail um, in the English language. So, yeah, sign up to the Scouted Notebook. Um, but thank you very much for, for listening to the Scouted podcast. Uh, we'll be back very shortly with uh, a new episode. Bye for now. The Scouted Podcast is brought to you with the support of our friends at Skill Corner, whose tracking data and performance analytics are used by many of the top clubs, leagues and federations around the world. Covering a wide range of global competitions, Skill Corner's data helps customers to make faster, better informed decisions in recruitment, player development and strategy. And we are now using it to support our own analysis of up-and-coming talent. For more information, visit skillcorner.com.